Good morning, and welcome to the Rainbow Connection. I'm Connor Coughlin, I'm your host, and I am currently trying to unallergic myself to almonds. I'm Natalie Shipley, and I like Taylor Swift. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, welcome to another show. This is really fun. I now have people in the studio again. Would you want to briefly introduce yourself, Natalie? Yeah, sure. I'm Natalie Shipley. I use she, her pronouns. I am a lighting designer for theater. I'm a lighting design student in the School of Drama. Um, I'm originally from the Houston, Texas area. Um, H-Town. Yeah, H-Town. Don't drown. Um, I didn't. <laughs> so that's good. Um, yeah, and I'm a third-year student here at OU. We love to see it. Um, yeah, Natalie's one of my good friends from Camp Crimson. We have not met in person until now. Right now, yeah. This is the first time we've ever been <laughs> in a room together, which is kind of funny. But I do consider you like a close friend. I feel like you know a lot about my life through Snapchat. And and you, me, <laughs> as <Yeah>. well. <laughs> and like our close friends' Instagram stories and right, stuff yeah. like that. We really, we, really, we really do keep it tight, I think. <laughs> Yeehaw. That being said, it's time to keep it tight with the current events, our first segment of the Rainbow Connection. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is Jessica Walter passing away yesterday. Uh, if y'all don't watch Arrested Development, she was Lucille Bluth on that show. She had a lot of one-liners like, it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? <laughs> Ten dollars. <laughs> and, you know, just stuff like that. She was also an archer. I don't know if... I haven't watched that either. I've watched, like, four shows, and they're all sitcoms. So I'm not super cultured, if we're being honest, when it comes to TV shows. Yeah, Arrested Development's a sitcom, so... Well, maybe I'll put it on my list then. It's time to get watching. I guess so. Yeah, I gotta catch up. Yeah, it's about, like, it's about like this rich family. Their, their dad, in the first episode, their dad gets, like, accused of fraud and put in prison. And so it's up to, like, their middle son who's Jason Bateman, mm. to, like, run the company. And, like, Will Arnett is, is his older brother. Portia de Rossi is his twin sister. Uh, I can't remember any of the other actors off the top of my head, but he also has a younger brother that's, like, a total nerd. And then his sister is married to... You've probably heard of Tobias Funke. His He's, like... Um, he had, like, that fire scene in the second episode where he's like oh my god oh, I feel they're like having a fire yeah. sale <laughs> <laughs> save the women and children <laughs> do yeah. you know of any current events well, that are happening well Taylor Swift released a song last night that's that from the vault it's um, right where you left yes. me so yes. very it's very high school um, listening to it I'm like ah yeah great time to relive all my high school breakups and every heartbreak I've had ever <laughs> so um, everyone say thank you, Taylor. Thank um, you, Taylor. Yes, thank you, Taylor. So fantastic song, and it has like ha- some yeehaw in it too. We get a little bit of that like old old school twang, which is really exciting. I think. Well, I actually didn't learn until recently that Marin Morris like was a country singer before she came out with like that pop song, The Middle. I think it yeah. was called. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't know who Mary Morris was um, before Taylor Swift released a song with her. <laughs> um, earlier, I said I wasn't cultured, and I yeah, pop culture is not not my strong suit. So yeah, I meant it. I mean, it was the same with uh, Haim. Like before Taylor Swift did Nobody No Crime with them, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of them. Oh, I had. Um, someone added a song by them to one of a playlist they made for me. So oh. I I was like pretty pretty with them. I thought. 
way to flex that you have people make playlists <laughs> well, for you. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't like get too excited about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I think didn't Haim win a Grammy? They did. I don't remember for what though. Best new artist, maybe. Oh, oh no, that was Megan The Stallion. Nope. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. They did though. They won a Grammy. They're definitely there because there's a video of them and Taylor Swift hugging that I've seen. Yes. So. Um. I think another another thing I saw on Twitter was I think HR1 passed in the House which is like sweeping voting rights legislation which is That's very huge. important. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked a little bit about different congressional stuff like in the past like the Equal Rights Amendment mm-hmm. or the Equal Rights Act or whatever oh. it was called mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just stuff like that. Yeah, I mean they've been saying for like uh, I don't know ever that the Equal Rights Amendment's about to act pass but i saw something actually promising about it maybe passing in the near future so maybe finally maybe (laughs) Maybe. um if the democrats don't continually screw themselves over in the senate yeah because that was one of the main reasons we didn't get minimum wage right (laughs) um anything else on your radar no (laughs) never (laughs) not a single thing going on in this head it's like a DVD logo just bouncing around. Yeah, or like I think it's more like when I had like a PC when I was like 12, it was like my mom's old one that like hardly worked. We, you could change the loading cursor. So I changed it to a dinosaur, but then only half the dinosaur would like show up because it was hmm. old. So it, that's kind of more of like what my head feels like is like half of the loaded <laughs> dinosaur from my mom's PC in 2012. Very detailed yeah. but i feel like that's also very accurate yeah and bees buzzing too sometimes when when i'm more hyperactive it's like a a bee buzzing around mm-hmm. and just like hitting the corners of my brain yeah i i got that like dvd logo thing from a way ancient tumblr post mm. it was like it's just the dvd logo bouncing around and when it hits <laughs> the corner exactly i experience a thought tm <laughs> <laughs> that that is what it feels like i think Sometimes it goes around faster than other times right. because of hashtag anxiety. But, <laughs> oh, well. Um, I think that about does it for this segment. So when we come back, do you want to do, do the Taylor Swift thing next segment? Or? Sure. All right. Come back. Ne- well, like, stick around. We're going to be talking about Taylor Swift's gay undertones. Stick around. Good morning, and welcome back to The Rainbow Connection. I'm Connor Coughlin, I'm your host, and I'm having the best day with you today. (laughs) With me, that's so nice. Hi everyone, I'm Natalie, and I'm having a great time with Connor. We're just (laughs) up here hanging out, vibing. Connor, I think I have that flannel. I should have worn it. If you had told me, we could have matched. Dang, we really could have. We really would have been on like the same vibe then, too. That would have been exciting. Like a red and, I'm wearing a red and black, like plaid flannel, by the way. Yeah. For those that cannot see me. Oh, yeah, I guess no one else can see you. Well, I have one as well. It was my dad's that he gave me, as I think, like, most flannels should be. I think that there's, like, an extra, like, oomph to flannels whenever they were your dad's first. So I feel like mine has, like, that extra oomph that I need. Yeah, mine, yeah. mine's just regular. I got this at Target. Nice. But, I mean, it's it's still cool. Yeah. I feel like it's a queer staple, especially if you I cuff the so. sleeves. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially if you cuff the sleeves. Speaking of cuffing sleeves and queer <laughs> staples, 
Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. Well, did you know? You know. So you know how there's like a thousand ways to ask someone if they're gay. Like in this summer, especially, it was like, do you listen to Girl in Red? It's especially yes. in like the woman loving women community. Well, I saw one on TikTok the other day, and I don't think I agree with it, but I appreciate it. And they're like, oh, do you listen to Taylor Swift? And I was like, well, mm. I don't know if you can ask someone that and then decide whether or not they're queer based off of it. But as a queer person who listens to Taylor Swift, I like appreciate the specific representation we get there. Yes. <laughs> and um, there was a line in a folklore song where she was like, um, under the blue and the purple pink sky. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the one that sounds like Ivy, but it isn't. Is it Invisible String? Yes, it is Invisible yeah. String. That's crazy. You know what else is blue, purple, and pink? The Bi-Flag. Yeah, it is. So, I don't know. Just <laughs> a theory, though. Just a theory. And, like, I think I saw a video where, like, it was one of those people that, like, overanalyze Taylor Swift music videos. Right. And in the You Need to Calm Down music video, at one point, she's wearing, like, a blue, pink, and purple wig. Mm. As she's like dancing with Todger Hall. Interesting. So very interesting. Well, and in this Americana, she's like talking about the me video, um, and she's like, "Yeah, I want things that are all about like that just describe me, rainbows." And we're all like, "Rainbows," because obviously you can't like rainbows unless you're a little gay. Right? Exactly. Like that is that's no, I don't make the rules. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and also like either Harvard or Stanford said that like. Nobody's completely straight. Right, and I agree with them. So I'm not. Taylor's just capitalizing on that by also <laughs> liking rainbows. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also wanted to talk about this Spotify playlist I found. It's called Gay Taylor Swift, which they should have just said like Gaylor Swift. Right, obviously. But um, basically, it it describes like all of the just like the stages of a relationship as like through her eyes with like her perspective so um it it's songs like the way i loved you cruel summer i'm only me when i'm with you right all all like i think so inherently queer i Mm -hmm. think so the the way i loved you like that is just i think such a queer song and like such so really tells a story i think of like being in a relationship that you don't want to be in because you know that you don't want to maybe be with that gender Mm -hmm. and then um like once it once it kind of crosses the threshold into like a lot more serious then you get into like false god dress from reputation like i only bought this dress so you could take it off Mm. yeah are you (laughs) wanting to take someone else's dress off maybe i'm wondering and like i know places gorgeous another great one sparks fly i think my favorite i also think i sent it to you but there is a twitter account called taylor swift reviews and under (laughs) enchanted (laughs) she's this reviewer said, I just know Taylor Swift's gay because nobody's this enchanted about a man. <laughs> I really like that account. I, I've i been seeing a lot of them on. I'm on, like, Stan's Taylor Swift Twitter, which is a little embarrassing, but I'm just going to embrace it. It's fine. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of those. And there are some really funny ones. I'm, like, I'm trying to think of some good ones that I can't. Like, one of them was, like, never grew up. And I was, like, um... Like, I was like, actually, I did grow up. Or it was a review for, like, Speak Now. And it was like, I have a speech impediment. Like, really just, like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Like, that's a great review, actually. That's a good point that you're making there. You you did grow up. Taylor Swift said, never grow up. And here we are. Or, like, least relatable Taylor Swift lyrics. I'm feeling 22. <laughs> I'm 18. Yeah. Sorry, actually. <laughs> and I'm not 15. So I can't. I When I'm 15, well, I'm not. Sorry, guys. I simply cannot relate to that song. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, I won't listen to it anymore. Just kidding. 15 bops. Pretty hard 15, still. Ugh. 
That's what I'm excited about in the, in the re-record, I think. I'm excited for 15, and then Hey Steven as well. I'm really yes. excited for the re-record of Hey Steven for some reason. I've been really, like, bopping with it. Well, and that's another thing is, like, this person who Hey Steven is written about, like, Taylor Swift doesn't know. So, like, she writes songs about people that she, like, she can make stories of about things right. that she hardly knows. And that's why I think also, like, in terms of, like, the queer experience, Taylor Swift is so relatable because she's writing stories that aren't necessarily her own. Like, they are stories mm-hmm. that she's made up or that she's gotten from movies and books and her friends. Um, so it's, like, really easy to kind of, like, put yourself in those shoes because she's stepping out of her own experience. Right. And I feel like a quintessential part of the queer experience is just yearning. Right. All day, every day, <laughs> especially, like, all throughout middle school and high school. Right. Like, even, like, whether you're in the closet or not, high school was not a very queer affirming place so like we just kind of had to have our own we kind of had to make up our own stories have our own experiences just like all in our head right or maybe just channel it through taylor swift taylor swift over and over and over yeah no yearning is such a a quintessential part of the queer experience that's so true that's why i have my playlist only queers and country women can properly yearn yeah i think that's a great playlist um after my most recent breakup i listened to that one on repeat for a while and it it really did hit different. So if y'all haven't listened to Connor's playlist, that's a good one to listen to, I think. I'd be happy to share it. It <laughs> has, so far, I only have the country women and maybe like two queer artists on there. That's only because I listen to country music a lot more extensively <laughs> than queer artists. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess Taylor Swift fits into both, sort of. Well, maybe, depending maybe. on who you ask. Of course. We should have disclaimed at the beginning that this is all speculation. Intensely. Very (laughs) intense speculation shared by many people on the internet. (laughs) Also, like, at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't really matter if Taylor Swift is queer. But I think that, like, I don't know, as a queer person and as someone who has loved Taylor Swift for so long. And, like, I don't want to say modeled my life after her because that's really, really dramatic. But, like, I don't know. I've always found Taylor Swift very relatable. Like, the small town, like, kind of lost in high school girl. Like, the... Whether it's the character she played or it's the person that she is was incredibly relatable. So the idea that she is possibly queer or could possibly be queer or even, I mean, like, when she came out with You Need to Calm Down, I was actually pretty mad at her. But, like, a year later, like, I'm like, oh, actually, that's really affirming. Like, that's kind of awesome. That was also right before I came out. So there's a lot of feelings there for me in general. But um, even her as, like, an affirming, like, ally and, like, an excited ally Mm -hmm. um, is exciting for me, I think. And, like, I know I know that's kind of, like, the bare minimum right. to be an ally. And I was also a little bit mad at it because it seemed like it, it seemed like it would have been better in, like, 2015 when, like, right... Like, it, imagine if that came out, like, a year before gay marriage was legalized. Imagine. That would have been great. But 16-year-old <laughs> Natalie might have realized she was gay a little bit earlier had that come out before gay marriage was legalized. I was really excited about gay marriage being legalized. I was like, this is awesome. How exciting. Yeah. I have to tell everyone, I don't know why I'm so excited, though. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird that I'm so excited about this legislation. I don't know why. I'm so happy for everyone else. And I'm like, oh, you silly goose. Yeah. Um, on a sort of unrelated note, I've seen two of my friends go through the, quote, really strong ally to bisexual pipeline. Yeah, it's an intense so. pipeline. <laughs> it's a really intense pipeline. I, like, would like to see the stats on people who, like, got in fights in, like, their high school history classes about gay marriage, um, about how gay people should have rights and are now yes. gay, but didn't realize they were at that point. 
Because mm-hmm. I, like, I got in a few pretty intense arguments, but it's easier to stick up for other people, I think, than it is to stick up for yourself. So I feel like that's, like, a, it's an, easy, it's an easy pipeline to take. And then you get to college, and you, like, meet two other queer people, and you're like, oh, I'm like that, too, actually. <laughs> I also um, do that. So maybe I, yes. maybe. <laughs> and here we are. I can't really relate to that because I've known I was gay since, like, freshman year of high school. However, since I was raised Baptist, I kind of just had to be like, oopsies. Um, I just I just can't date girls right now because I'm so busy I'm so focused with school. on school. School's really important, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. That religious trauma does get you, though. Indeed. Yeah. I grew up in a Lutheran church, and that was another place where, like, I would get in a lot of fights about, about like, gay rights. And I, like, remember really – I'm a theater major. I've been in theater since I was in eighth grade. And I remember really specifically, like, being in a youth group setting in, like, one of those portable buildings that had green walls. And mm. we're, like, we, it was, like, an ask your pastor anything day, which was, we're always weird. Um, and I remember asking, like, about, like, basically the question at the end of the day was, like, how do I treat gay people if it's, like, wrong, but I don't think it is because they're regular people. Right. Um, and I was, like, they're, like, oh, well, are you around gay people a lot? And, like, well, yeah, I'm in theater. And they were, like there's gay people in theater and I was like yeah <laughs> what um, do you have mean? you ever <laughs> is there gay people in theater <laughs> like um yeah actually there's like there's there's a few actually um so but I remember having that conversation and being like actually I think everything you're saying is wrong and I like totally shut down after that and at any point I had to like disagree with like pastor or people in my youth group or anything I'd be like hmm, guess what <laughs> it's me again <laughs> Um, I think that you should treat people like human beings. That's too radical. I know. Especially for this radio show, The Rainbow Connection. <laughs> Actually, we don't believe in treating people like human beings. <laughs> treat everyone like a bee going to its cave to get honey. Indeed. Um, yeah, for my, like, Baptist experience, when I when I show this with people, they're, they're like, oh, that's, like, super bad. Well, like, any... Every year on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which is like in January, we would have a pro-life sermon. Mm. And then uh, that was like the most political we got because our pastor was would just kind of like focus on other Vague. like Jesus parable, be nice to other people, but also don't engage in homosexuality, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I got told that loving gay people was a fine line right after the gay marriage was legalized. I was, like, texting one of my friends from church, and we were talking about it, and he was like, well, I'm just worried about you, Natalie. You know, like, it's a really fine line. And I'm like, well, Harry Styles released an album called Fine Line, and I'm gay. Yes. So I actually think it's meant to be. So thank you for your service. Um, don't ever <laughs> talk to me again. <laughs> um, yeah, you unlocked a memory when you said the sermon about uh, pro, being pro-life yeah there was and I think it was in January of every year like it must have been on the anniversary I never put that together but we'd have a little yeah. like pro-life sermon that we would listen to and I just like remember one of the years like he all, he was just like awful and basically was like if you have mental illness if you have gotten oh. an abortion if you've like I don't know like engaged in sex before marriage if you're gay like all these things mm-hmm. you are bad and it was, like, a guest pastor, too, so it was worse because it was, like, this man oh. none of us knew. And he was just, like, sitting there. I remember him t- – it was – I was a senior in high school, so it was 2017 or 2018. And, like – so, like, I mean, peak – like, maybe it was 2017. It was, like – I mean, I feel lo- politics haven't, like, calmed down in a while. But it, like, was a pretty intense time in politics. And, like, it was just awful. I, like, remember sitting next to my two friends, and we were, like, 
this is awful. I don't think I ever want to come back to church again. So, yeah, pretty bad. But now we're here, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. There are churches that are queer-affirming. I go to a really queer-affirming church, Canterbury Episcopalian. It's on um, Elm, so, like, y'all should go sometime. We're on Zoom right now. But it's really cool. So, anyway, going to plug my church. But yeah. <laughs> um, and it's exciting that we I can kind of, like, church. rebuild some of that, some of the, you know, the pains that we've been we've been through. But it'd be cool if we didn't have to do that at all also. It would be That'd cool. That'd be awesome. But mm-hmm. at least we're making progress somewhere. Because, right. like, I used to go to Victory Family Church. I don't really go there anymore because, like, although they're non-denominational and they're, like, they're supposedly really progressive, it's the, it, it stinks of millennial vibes, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, like if, Hill, if Hillsong had a baby, right. it would be Victory Family Church. Hillsong. Damn. Uh, because like also they're 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 always like we love and accept everyone except maybe not gay people we don't know yeah well and I think it's so dangerous <laughs> like that entire like that entire like narrative of like oh we love and accept everyone well you need to be explicit in in what exactly that means um and like how you're doing that like how are you actually supporting queer people how are you supporting people of color how are you supporting indigenous people like you can't just say you love and support everyone. Like, that's mm-hmm. cool. Thank you for giving me a thumbs up. But, like, people need more than just love and support. Well, that's not true. But, like, they need, <laughs> like, more more than yeah. you just saying love and support. Like, there needs yeah. to be action attached to that and also specificity, I think. I don't think it does anyone any favors to just be like, yeah, we, you can come to our church if you're gay, but you might not be able to serve. Like, yeah. that's actually, that's not nice. That's not very cool. Which is why it was really nice last year when I was in Washington, D.C. for the semester. I went to a church called The Table. Mm. And it was it was also non-denominational, but they were, like, they, like, embraced the queer affirmingness. Like, they had, they had like, a rotating team of five executive pastors because their main one had just left. But um, two, of, uh, two of them were gay. I think two of them were women. And then I can't remember who the other one was. But... Like it was, it was so nice to hearing a sermon from a gay pastor, and uh, there was also like a community group, mm-hmm. I think is what they called it, for like just LGBT people in their church. That's awesome. And it was like, it was like a strong twenty member community. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and like I like I yeah the first time I ever heard of well I so I only grew I grew up with like men only pastors, and like my pastor now is also a man, but um, the first time I heard a sermon from from a queer person was like life-changing I think mm-hmm. uh, I didn't come out until like sophomore year of college and really figured I was gay until like right before then it was really like a two once I know something everyone else knows so there was not a mm-hmm. lot of like being in the closet for me um I said no actually I'm gonna <laughs> wait until I'm safe and then my brain's gonna let me know I'm gay which was nice I think I'm it's probably better off that way but I digress but like that was it's just like such an affirming experience I think to hear to hear things like a sermon, which, like, you've been listening to your entire life from someone who has a shared live ex- lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, I don't know. It goes back to, like, why representation is important. And really, I think, not completely indeed, indeed. anyway, but I think that any kind of representation isn't good representation, but it's still important and valid. Mm-hmm. Like, even if that, like, the first thing that comes to mind is Love, Simon. Mm. Because it, it was a gay movie absolutely made for straight people. Right. Because I haven't read the book. But apparently it's maybe better. Hmm. Um, but, like, the actor who plays Simon is straight. <laughs> Thankfully, the guy who plays Blue mm-hmm. is either gay or bi. I've listened to a lot of his songs, and they're really good. But, yeah, Love, Simon. The central struggle of that, of a lot of those kinds of movies mm-hmm. are, like, I'm 
Um, like I, I live in a upper middle class suburban neighborhood and life is good and all my friends love me and my family loves me and are so supportive of me. <laughs> But I'm gay. Yeah. Or or it's like, oh, all those things. And also I'm gay and in the closet and everyone's going to be so mean to me if I come out. And it's all about coming out, which is like no one wants to watch that. Well, maybe we want to watch it every now and then. But like yeah. like Happiest Season came out. The, yes. I don't know. And that's I one, did see that. Yeah. And I watched that over Christmas. It's about two women. So they're dating and they've been dating for like however long. And one of them is like oh yeah like to- tells her girlfriend that she came out to her family and that she's like taking her home for christmas and they're pulling into the driveway of the house and the girl's like actually you know when i told you i came out and that it went like fine well actually i didn't come out i yeah. told my family you're my roommate like that's a lot to dump on Kristen stewart yeah in the seriously. driveway <laughs> how dare you first of all um <laughs> how dare you treat Kristen stewart that way the audacity but also, like, I don't want to watch that, actually. That's, like, something that people have been through. And I don't, like, a, a traumatic experience that people have been through. And I don't mm-hmm. know why people who make movies, I don't know, like, exactly, who producers maybe think that that's what queer people want to watch. But that's also, it's not for queer people. It's it's media about gay people for straight people. Yeah. Which, I don't know why you make that, actually. But it, no at thanks. least it's featuring Aubrey Plaza. Right. Thank God Aubrey Plaza's in it. Very hot in that movie. Very hot. My God. Well, I think the most homophobic thing about Happiest Season is that Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza, like, don't kiss. I think that... Like, not at all. N- never. <laughs> not once. There's, like, a, there's like some moments where we think they might, like, they might kiss or, like, I don't know, get, like, some hand-holding. But, like, all we get is some eye contact. And I think that's the worst thing about it, honestly. But isn't that true? Just, like, the tension and the eye contact yeah. that kind of make like i don't know i mean that's what maybe for portrait me. of a woman on fire <laughs> so great was the, the first time in portrait Port- of a woman oh listen when that i came could out talk in about that forever <laughs> page 28 stop it <laughs> they like grab hands and i was like oh my god oh my god this is the best thing i've watched ever and then i like cried for three days after seeing it because it's so sad and they don't well i don't want to ruin the ending but it's sad yeah so, and yeah, like i screen I dumped on Love, Simon a lot, but I bawled like a baby oh, at the end. right, yeah. No, Happiest Season did make me cry. And I, so I'm out to my parents, and it started a really, really great conversation with my parents. Like, we watched it, and I was really upset after watching it because they, they wanted to see it, and I didn't really want to see it. Then I was like, fine, it's going to be fine, whatever. And, like, as, an, as someone who, like, makes art, I think that art, art one of art's primary functions is to start conversations. So, mm-hmm. like, I yeah, I can bash on Happiest Season all I want, but, like, did it start a really, really great conversation with my parents that, like, went on to the next morning? Like, we had a great experience. I, like, they, they, you know how everyone said homophobic things. I have, yeah. like, said homophobic things, I'm sure. But, like, I remember everything that my parents have said ever. Like, that, mm-hmm. that has all been, like, locked and loaded in my brain. We'll probably never leave just because that's how our brains work. Um, but, like, we were able to kind of talk about that and, like, rectify those situations. And, like, they were able to clarify that, like, well, I already knew that that wasn't what they meant, right? But, like, hearing them say that was so important. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I can, you know, bash Happiest Season. But did it start a really important conversation in my house? Like, yeah. And and do yes. a lot of people find themselves represented in that movie? Probably. Mm-hmm. So, and did it maybe, you know, someone who maybe doesn't have, like, lesbian friends, like, now they've been exposed to lesbians. They won't be weirdos whenever they're like, yeah. when they meet lesbians, because people are weirdos when they meet lesbians. Because like it's, it it can seem disingenuous if you're like, oh, so you're exactly like blank from mm-hmm. Happiest Season or whatever. But it really is kind of like 
the it's it's like the first few steps in really understanding what it's like. Right. So like, even though it's not the kind of media that we want to watch, we should instead be streaming Portrait of a Lady on Fire always. forever <laughs> and always. But um, <laughs> that's another subtle Taylor Swift reference. But like, um, my roommate is in like a film development class mm-hmm. right now, and he said that his like. Because they, they all have projects that they have to do, I think, about representation or something mm-hmm. like that. And he said that his group is the trans community. So I was like, you have to watch Pose. Pose, yeah. You Pose have to. Pose is an to. incredible show. Literally, I could rant forever about Pose. Right. Well, and what, like, the representation itself and, like, the way I think is almost every actor or every actor in that show trans. Yeah. Um, I think four of the main actresses mm-hmm. are trans. And then Billy Porter and then, like, somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, like, and also, like, for all, everyone says, like, oh, like, you can't do it. Like, the reason why we're not casting queer people in these roles is because there aren't, like, queer actors. That's not true. And I think Absolutely that Post does a true. great job of being, like, actually, guys, we, you can do that. And, and it's important that you do things like that. And also Post's representation of people of color is also r- incredibly mm-hmm. important. Most queer media is white people. I think, like, every, like, every lesbian couple ever, they're like, oh, diversity, a blonde and a brunette. Like, no, that's no. <laughs> not going to work, actually. And also isn't realistic or, like, representational at all. And, like, especially among the white... I, I really don't like how white gay men have kind of become the face of the entire LGBT movement. Yeah. Especially because a lot of them have not faced their internalized racism or misogyny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a whole other conversation that we can have <laughs> later about actually good representation. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah. Did I just kill the conversation? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I'm trying to decide where to go next. I'm like, hmm, what's eight, what are the 18 different things bouncing around in my head? I, I Like I said earlier, no thoughts or a thousand thoughts. There's there's no in-between. So the bees are going right now. Mm-hmm. The DVD logo is, like, in the middle right, right now. Like, after Very I had that really cool. good s- mini, mini, mini stub speech about how white cishet gay men suck. yeah. <laughs> I have to agree. Just, like, not good all around. Yeah, um, we can take a little bit of a break. If stick around. We will likely still be talking about pop culture when we come back. Good morning, and welcome back to The Rainbow Connection. My name is Connor Coughlin. I'm your host, and I'm Natalie Shipley, and I'm Connor's friend. Heck yeah. Um, sorry for that extra long break. Uh, the Oklahoma Blood Institute called me and wanted me to donate. <laughs> um, I, But, like, the lady was so nice on the phone, I couldn't just be like, no, sorry, and hang up. Yeah, sometimes you have to humor them a little bit, I feel like. Really, anyone. I feel like when people call and have really nice customer service, like, ask someone who's worked in customer service, I'm like... Oh, I really don't want to do this, but like after like working somewhere where you have to get mm-hmm. someone's like name and email, people are really mean when you ask for the name and email. I don't blame them. I don't ever want to give anyone my name or email, but now anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, you know what? I'll make your life so much easier if I just give you my name and email. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. Because like and I there wasn't really a good way to end the conversation just now because she was so helpful. <laughs> she was like, Oh, I could I could 
because I was like, is there a website I could go to to just do this on my own? And she was like, oh, no, I can pull it up right now, sweetie. And I was like, oh, I'm a little busy right now trying to try to host this radio show. <laughs> but I, I didn't tell her that because, once again, she was too nice. And I yeah. didn't want to be like, um, I can't. I can't donate unless I lie. Yeah. Which I don't encourage doing. Wink, wink. Yeah, well, <laughs> whenever people are homophobic, I think that lying's maybe okay. Also, I don't know. I think it's unfounded. I think the fact that gay men can't... Uh, maybe it's not unfounded. I don't know if I know enough about science, but it's homophobic for sure. Yeah. Well, like, because I think the time... The time used to be shorter, like, after you got a tattoo to mm-hmm. donate, then, you know, like, gay men doing their thing so (laughs) yeah wait a minute Hmm. because like i got i got this tattoo in like around thanksgiving so technically i can donate now but uh because it's been like after three months but like it's always been three months for tattoos Mm -hmm. and it's been at least a year in the past if not lifetime because it used to be lifetime and then they lowered it to a year a few years ago i don't know well i know why because it's it was like 2018 and mm-hmm. it was about time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact that it took that long even, or yeah, the fact that it took that long was ridiculous. Because um, yeah. Like all, it, it even goes deeper than that because like, if you're a woman who's, uh, it, who's had relations with a guy who's also had relations with a guy, like if there's that chain mm-hmm. of command, then you as a woman can't donate. Oh, I didn't know that. It's in the little questionnaire that you right. fill out. I've never donated blood. I I know I should. I am just, like, really afraid of passing out. I, like, n- I don't even know what blood type I have. I feel like hmm. I should. As a grown-up, <laughs> that is something that I should know. Um, saying that out loud is a little embarrassing, so maybe I'll go figure that out. But I've never actually donated blood. But I, like, want to. Like, the idea is, like, good. I'm just really afraid of passing out. Like, mm-hmm. they would have, like, blood drives in high school and... Actually, in high school, I shouldn't have donated blood. I, like, never ate breakfast. So that's probably why I never have. And now it's just, like, yeah. not as easy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I need to donate blood, though. Like, that needs to be on my list, I think. And, I mean, not – if if you, if you aren't explicitly told your blood type, then, of course, you're not going to know what it is. Yeah. And unless you've, like, been to the doctor multiple times. Yeah, I've been to the doctor, like, like twice, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've, like, seen it on, like, paperwork before. But, like, it didn't commit itself to memory at all. Mm-hmm. I also don't know my social security number. So, basically, I – just not being a grown-up. Yeah. I don't even do my own grocery shopping. My roommate does <laughs> that. So I am not ready for the real world is the moral of this story. Oh, well. I mean, the OBI keeps bothering me because I have O-positive blood. And, like, that every time blood. I go, every time I go, they, like, prick my finger. And they're like, oh, your red blood cells and uh, your iron count is, like, really good. Oh, kind like, of a flex, the, Connor. I know. Like, this is just my own bragging show now <laughs> where I just brag about how good my blood is. <laughs> yeah, uh, Connor's got really great blood. If anyone is a vampire that's listening, mm-hmm. um, I can give you his address. Actually, I don't know where Connor lives, but I could guess maybe. I live in Norman somewhere, oh, probably. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or are you commuting every day? I like to think that you're commuting from, like, Houston, like an eight-hour commute every, every morning, every evening, which is impossible. Unless you have a plane. Unless no. you have a time turner like Hermione. <laughs> I want one of those. I have a lot of questions about the time turner in Harry Potter. Starting with why do they only use it in one movie? It would have been really valuable if they, or in or book. Like, it would have been really valuable if the time turner, like, stuck around. Like, I don't know, like, whenever Voldemort comes back, like, let's just go back in time and stop him. Yeah, um, I have a lot of questions about Harry Potter, such as, 
what is Harry Potter because I never read it or watched the movies. <laughs> I <laughs> I read the books for the first time this summer, and I didn't see the movies until like freshman year of college, because my sweetmate like and now best friend loved them, and so did someone I was dating at the time. So I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I'll finally watch it, and then I was like, oh, this is kind of good. Mm-hmm. But then J.K. Rowling, well, yeah. she was already a turf, and then she like really was a turf. I had, a, I was reading. She like them. quadrupled down on yeah. being a turf. Well, it was really hard this summer. I started reading them, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna separate the books from J.K. Rowling because like they are good books. A lot of pro- very prob- like lots of problems in them. Um, but I also like was tired of not understanding pop culture references. Um, but it was really really hard to to read them when J.K. Rowling was just like continually continuously like digging herself in a hole and being transphobic exactly like and how do i read this media by you for our listeners who don't know turf stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist so it's basically just a woman who hates trans women which yeah. is a woman who hates women right so <laughs> doesn't believe that trans women are part of the community mm-hmm. which is not true so and like looking back at all of the really horrendous stereotype well, like I say looking back, I never read or watched right. the movies, but like, uh, I saw a lot of TikToks of like, if I, if I as a lesbian were in the Harry Potter universe, <laughs> and they have like a really, they have like a name filled with slurs. Yeah, and I then mean, like, seriously, that's like is exactly what she did. Like, the only East Asian character that they have is named Cho Chang. Right. Well, and she's come out. That actress has come out recently and talked about like the racism she experienced on set and like. Which makes sense, yeah, unfortunately. Like why, yeah, well, yeah, which makes sense because if you're going to write a character like that, like you're not teaching people to to treat other people as human beings. And um, there's also like the, the twins, like Prima and something, yes. Patel. Yeah, the, I, what are their names? And uh, they both start with P. Yeah. And then like O'Flan... What, what's the Irish kid's name? Oh, I couldn't tell you. That's like obsessed with head. blowing stuff up. I don't know. Literally, like, <laughs> it's so it's so sad that I only know these characters through their stereotypes right. that J.K. Rowling wrote yeah, about them. <laughs> yeah. It's and fun. don't get me started on the bankers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, oh, my God, I've never even thought about that. The little goblins, and those mm-hmm. are, that's just a, another perpetuation of a stereotype as well. Which, like, I'm, I'm not Jewish, I'm not indigenous, but I do have a very prominent, like, hook in my nose i don't know if you can it's like Mm -hmm. yeah which like they're like i don't know if anybody's like i i only noticed it through like tiktok and twitter who have been like hey this is kind of bad but like usually villains are coded as like jewish or queer and then they have like those these big hooked noses because it's not like a eurocentric beauty standard even in the movie Aladdin, where theoretically everybody should have, like, the same sort of ethnic features, Aladdin and Jasmine have, like, small Eurocentric, like, mm-hmm. petite noses, and Jafar has, like, this big old schnoz. Yeah. yeah, Aladdin's pretty problematic in itself, too. Just, like, yeah, the stereotypes that movie talks about are just inaccurate and then just, like, caricatures of Middle Eastern culture. Mm-hmm. So much so that they have, like, the little warning that was, like, this is a on Disney Plus right before that's like this is a product of its time we recognize oh. that this is racist blah 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 I didn't know Disney Plus did that I don't know hmm I wonder how I feel about that I didn't know they did that 
Um, a lot of streaming services are doing that now. Um, even like on Tom and Jerry before mm-hmm. some of their cartoons, because like looking back, I did watch Tom and Jerry, mm-hmm. so I can say looking back. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some like there are some instances where Tom and Jerry like do blackface. Really? Yeah. Wow. And like, I it th- of course that didn't register because I was like six. Right. But look, also but, they're animals. Yes, they are animals. But the like there there are scenes where like either they're covered in soot or something like mm-hmm. that, or they're like, or they're like, um, dressing up in blackface to like disguise themselves, like and get past each other. And like acting in really stereotypical ways, mm-hmm. which is also really problematic because these cartoons came out in like the fifties and sixties. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah lots of lots of that. horrible horrible I really watched things. Tom and Jerry. Yeah, and just like the fact that those things were normalized. I was watching a movie from like I don't know two thousand eight, and they're just like using the R word, and I was like, "Hey guys, like, was that mm. ever okay? I don't think so." And like I tried to like. And, like, using gay as an insult and, like, just kind of things like that. And I tried to excuse it to, like, because I wanted to watch and enjoy the movie. But it's just, like, hard to excuse things like that. Like. I know. Like, yeah, sure, it's a product of its time. But it wasn't okay then either. Like, it's never been okay. It just was normalized. Um, So it's hard to, like, I don't know. I think I have a really hard time. I I have a really hard time watching anything like that. Um, And, like, I don't know. There is an argument that. Or something to be said that, like, you can't just, like, get rid of everything. But also, like... There are some things you can get rid you of. You can. Especially if it's horrendously offensive. Right. Like, Song of the South, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely can go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I just, like... I, yeah, it was just never okay, and maybe it's a product of its time. But that doesn't excuse it. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm, like, hesitant to be like, oh, like, good for Disney, like, putting a... Um, a warning on it, but, like, that doesn't make it okay. Like, it doesn't excuse your behavior of being racist. Yeah, and, like, the... That's why the whole Dr. Seuss thing kind of came out very recently, Mm -hmm. which, like, first of all, they're not even well-known books. Right, and it was the Dr. Seuss Foundation themselves, I'm pretty sure, who Mm -hmm. were taking them off the market. Because they were, like, as we review these and seeing, like, seeing there are some... There are stereotypes, like, all throughout his work, mm-hmm. but, like, they're the most prominent in those six-ish. Right. It's, like, six, I think maybe. so. It sounds familiar. Um, and the only one, the only book title I recognized was And to Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street. The rest I had never heard yeah, of. Yeah, that one's, like, vaguely familiar for me, but I don't think I could, like, pick it up off a bookshelf with its, like, cover. Yeah, and I, but it also felt almost like a publicity stunt of sorts to, like, get Republicans talking about the idea of cancel culture. Like, mm-hmm. that, but that, like, felt like a whole, that entire, like, scheme, it felt like a scheme, honestly, to get people talking about it, and maybe it wasn't from Dr. Seuss, but someone, someone saw that and saw what actually happened and was like, oh, I can make this into a thing about, like, liberals and progressives being snowflakes and, yes. like, how cancel culture is bad and we can't just get rid of things. Which, like, they're ones to talk when they when they were, like, burning the Chicks merch in the streets yeah. after they talked about George Bush. Yeah. And they were, like, boycotting the NFL after Colin Kaepernick and probably some other examples that escape me right now. Yeah. Well, and that's also the idea of, like, the whole idea of, like, cancel culture is, like, it's an avoidance of consequences, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, people want to avoid consequences and... So they just get rid of it completely, or they're like, "Ah, oh, cancel culture is bad." 
But no, it's not. Like, fixing things so that we can move forward for a better tomorrow is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just think it's a bad thing because you're racist. One of my roommates was like, man, I really hate cancel culture. And I said, do you hate cancel culture or do you hate people facing the consequences of their right. actions? Because I think he was talking about... Oh... I really can't remember what he was talking about. But, like, he's also on Twitter a lot, so mm-hmm. sometimes he'll, like, read the same headlines as I do. Like, for example, a few days ago when David Dobrik got uh, exposed for being... Right. A, like, a sympathizer. Not, yeah, an abusive sympathizer, and then also, like, exploiting people. Yeah, I was off Twitter for three days, so I also <laughs> kind of missed that. I came back on Twitter, and it was like, David Dobrik sucks, and uh, there's, like, shrimp cinnamon toast. And I was like, all right, lots to catch up on today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and also the ship got stuck in the Suez Canal, but that's old news now. Oh, yeah, I missed that, too. <laughs> but um, anyway, he used to he used to be, like, a staunch libertarian, mm-hmm. which I say with the utmost contempt <laughs> because – Libertarians aren't real. No. They aren't a real ideology. But um it's a cop out. I think when he was talking about cancel culture, he was more referencing like <sighs> See, I thought when I started that sentence I would remember what he was talking would go about. Somewhere. Well, I think the thing <laughs> is cancel like cancel culture in a small group, right? So like cancel culture within like the culture of like, for example, maybe like the school you're in or an organization you're in, I don't think is productive. Like I don't think that you should just like if someone does something bad you can just like expel them or like like expel them or excommunicate them from a community um i I, like i don't think that's successful i do think that you can remove them from the the people they've caused harm to like there is benefit Mm -hmm. in that but removing them completely from that situation is probably going to make them more resentful and make that action worse and while it's not our job to educate people and teach people it is important, and it's and maybe and actually it is my job. Like as a white woman, that is actually my job. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, so yeah. So I don't know. That was kind of a roundabout sentence. But so, but I think cancel culture, like in the greater grand scheme of things, like in politics, like mm-hmm. if someone rapes someone, they should not run for office. Correct. And also, there there are things that are inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like like overt, intense acts of racism or homophobia or abuse or assault like those are things that like yes like cancel but i think that maybe like unintentional comments necessarily doesn't cancel yeah now that you now that you brought up that i remember what he was talking about perfect because i think it was like right after joe biden got the nomination and Mm -hmm. he was bringing up all of his past sexual assault allegations and he was like well is joe biden canceled and i was like well yes kind of but we have to roll with it because if you like once he got the nomination we were like ugh. i mean i guess yeah and like joe wasn't my first choice he wasn't any of our first choices especially like as college students my dad liked him i was like that's fine billy you can like him but like we had to we had to like rally with him to like get trump out of office that kind of thing but he was like so is joe biden canceled i was like no because he's like in a, in a sense, cancel culture, as Republicans think, mm-hmm. literally doesn't work. Yeah. Because we still listen to Chris Brown. Right. Joe Biden's in office. Like, Andrew <laughs> Cuomo's still in office. Right. Like, it's... 
I wish there was more accountability for yeah. these kinds of offenses, but that just simply isn't the case yeah, right now. It isn't. And I, I'm I'm hopeful like every single day that things will get better. I think the only way to um, make it in this world is to be hopeful that things will get better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like inspired constantly by young people like both my own age and people right, ab- right above me, older than me, but also yeah. by like I have siblings in high school and like the things that high school students are doing and like just like every everyone is more informed and well maybe not everyone's more informed but like i think this generation is growing up more informed and cares more because our lives have just been ruined <laughs> by yeah. by current event after current event after current event and i think we're kind of sick of it and like we are um and so there is like a lot of hope in that i think especially now that there that social media amplifies stories so much right like um i've never been to minneapolis but i still I, of course, I support Black Lives Matter because that's like the bare minimum. But I definitely wouldn't have known about it to the extent that it was. Right. Because like, 2014 was when Black Lives Matter was formed, mm-hmm. like in directly after Trayvon Martin's mm-hmm. murder. But, like back back then, it was more of like a, at least in at least for white people, especially like in a red state, mm-hmm. it was like it was more of a, like a taboo, right. like there, oh Ferguson is like a terrible city where everybody's burning down everything because of like blah 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 i don't know where i was going with that yeah well i remember hearing (laughs) narratives like that and just like bits and pieces like being 14 or 15 and not truly really understanding or like caring as much as i should have Mm -hmm. um and then like getting to college in the summer and kind of like relearning those stories and realizing that these narratives i was hearing were not accurate like what I've been hearing was was just like drowning in white supremacy and racism and just God, was yeah. so intensely unaware of that because no one ever talked about it. No one ever brought it up, um, which like isn't an excuse by any stretch of the imagination. Which but. like I've talked about it a little bit on this show, but I didn't fully learn what the Black Panther Party actually was until like last year. Yeah. Because like dripping in the white supremacy, even in history class, we were taught that they were like, these domestic terrorists that went around and, like, right. just, like, burning down cities with yeah. their guns and stuff like that. Well, and, like, in my head for a very long time, like, the KKK and Black Panther Party were, like, the same but opposite, which they are not. That is just absolutely simply, not. simply <laughs> not true. But that's how we're, we're taught. We were, they're like, ah, oh, like, they were violent. It's like, well, actually, there's a lot more to the story than that, if you think about it. One, the way that, I mean, MLK's, like, legacy has been taken over as well to, like, perpetuate racism and try to silence people of color and black people is also like i mean like related in that same way to the way that we're taught in school i didn't know about the about black wall street until i came to ou and yeah, it was neither my second did I. year here like that's just crazy and you're are you from oklahoma i'm from kansas actually oh, okay oh i didn't know so that. the extent the extent of my like civil rights movement since brown versus boe like happened in topeka mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why we have four branches of government oh. it's it's like the executive, legislative, judiciary, and education. Uh-huh. Like that's a whole separate branch of government for I us. Like but um, beca- basically because we were made an example out of like during the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and Kansas is just, it's it's gotten more purple in recent era because we have a Democratic governor. Mm-hmm. But that was mainly because our last governor sucked. Right. Um, but still, like, I did not learn a lot about actual history yeah until i kind of did my own research (laughs) yeah which is like that's another thing that i am like hopeful will change but changing education i think and like is is 
the most important step. Like teaching people, like actual history starting from a young age is like th the best and maybe even like only way to truly like dismantle white supremacy. Not only, but that's but that's something that's going to take so long and like because mm -hmm. rewriting education is so hard but it's hopeful like it's it's nice that like there, there are teachers who care about that and who are doing their best to like integrate that into their classrooms because as we raise kids who actually are like well informed and treat human beings the way they should be like we are raising a generation that's that's going to make change mm -hmm. and have you heard about Cori Bush the representative from Missouri mm -hmm. okay I love her she's the only politician I stand because <laughs> she's completely unproblematic she was the one that introduced a I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but I've definitely written about it for my classes. She introduced a bill that would reinstate roading fights to people who've committed felonies, mm -hmm. which is a big That's thing, huge. especially for people of color mm -hmm. because of like the school to prison pipeline and stuff. Of course, it failed in the House because there are a lot of establishment Democrats who think like, felons shouldn't have rights. Yeah, which is dumb. But um, that's another step towards like a more inclusive intersectional society yeah because like especially if the whole the prison system is another thing we could get into like on a completely different yeah. thing but like those uh like that that's another aspect of white supremacy that you don't really think about until you dive headfirst into it the prison system yeah what's <laughs> that what's the documentary is it called 13th the 13th is it, there's uh, a documentary on Netflix, and it's wonderful. Well, not wonderful. I mean, it's super educational. It's about the prison system, and I mm -hmm. think it's called 13th. Yeah, because it's based on the 13th Amendment. Yeah, which but is you like, should watch it is what I'm saying. I just couldn't mm -hmm. remember what it was called. Yeah, I, I've seen – I think I've seen a trailer for it. Yeah. I have not seen it. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's one of those things where, like, I mean, like, you, uh, like, need to, like, you, need, you know, 30 minutes to an hour after to, like, sit and think about it, and then you're going to go on, like, a rabbit hole of, like, Google searches and, like, finding more information. It's so informative. It talks a lot about um, the war on drugs, too, and, like, just, like, just like the blatant blatant and like obvious racism in the war on drugs and like mm -hmm. the way like the 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 thing that i like i don't know fascinated me was the difference between like crack and cocaine so hmm. like and like the way they labeled it they're very similar if not the same thing but cocaine was used in suburbs and is not criminalized as much as crack is which was like in inner cities so, right so like even in these like the vocabulary of it and the vocabulary in legislation and like laws yeah. is, is racist in itself it reminds me of that tweet that's like what's considered trashy if you're poor but classy if you're rich mm -hmm. drugs yeah seriously and like all like i mean yeah like the yeah yeah that's that <laughs> that's, that. <laughs> that's that on that on that <laughs> um yeah that was a very good and long segment yeah we really just went off there a little bit yeah um we can take a little bit of a break when we come back just more thoughts with some thoughts. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rainbow Connection on Studio U. My name is Connor Coughlin, and I would like to fall asleep. I'm Natalie, and I'm, I'm excited to finish my coffee here soon. It's pretty good. Yeah, I have like maybe a sip left of good. my 
Iced coffee. Mm, gotta savor that last sip. Ice, iced coffee. Iced coffee. Very stereotypical of me. I'm gonna make this into iced coffee when I get home, probably. It's just some regular old coffee from my pour over. Um, I'm gonna uh. do a little a little brand sponsor, uh, Cafe Olay. The coffee beans <laughs> <laughs> or grounds are my favorite. Houston blend goes hard. Yeah, um, I have a French press, which mm. I think is very chic and yeah, classy. I feel very chic with my pour over. We had a French press, but then it got really hard to clean, and one of my friends gave me a pour over. And now I'm like, ah, oh, yes, pouring my water over my coffee grounds. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm in Italy or something. <laughs> I don't know. Where do they use pour-overs? Everywhere. Probably. Or maybe, like, rich people. Yeah. Well, they're only, like, they're actually, like, not very expensive. You oh. just need, like, a kettle. They're, like, 15 bucks. I don't know. It seems like. But it feels, yeah, like. Since it's not, like, a normal, like, coffee pot mm-hmm. that office workers use. Right. Or, like, an instant thing. Like a Keurig. Simply because it's new to me, I think it's like bougie and right. rich. <laughs> You're like, actually, that's pretentious. Sorry, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I originally started this. I pitched this radio show as like a dating show, or like a dating advice show, especially for queer LGBTQ people. So like, and not to like, not to like, further do stereotypes, but <laughs> since you're a lesbian, I am. You have a lot of experience with relationships. I do. My mom called me a serial dater this uh, when I was home for Christmas. She oh, actually told yikes. my grandma I was a serial dater. I was like, thanks, mom. That was really sweet of you. I was <laughs> dating someone, and my grandma, like, they know I'm gay. I told them. Um, but we don't, like, talk about it the way you do with grandparents. And uh, I was dating someone, and, like, I mentioned it to her, so then my grandma asked my mom, because my grandma doesn't mm-hmm. talk to us one-on-one. And I was also dating someone last Christmas, and my grandma asked my mom, she's like, oh, is this the same girl from last year? And instead of my mom saying, no, they broke up. This is someone new. She said, no, Natalie's kind of a serial dater right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Mom. That's so, that's bad. <laughs> I was like, you, like, you, there were like, a, I, I know you think you're being funny, but I roasted her for it. I was like, actually, Aaron, that was kind of rude. She thought it was funny, though. She's like, you're 20. You're supposed to be figuring it out. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to tell grandma, like, I'm a serial dater. Like, <laughs> grandma's going to slut shame me. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I, I do not need Eleanor slut shaming me today. Please. No, no slut shaming on this radio show. No don't worry. No slut shaming allowed. Especially because, like, I've, I've fully detached myself from, like, if I meet if I meet a new person, I'm not going to instantly fall in love with them, oh. which is a problem I <laughs> I really really had I'm in high not school. There yet. <laughs> well, especially because like men are trash. Everybody yeah. knows this. I'd have but, to agree. Um, si- simply because they can't commit to anything, I've ca- I've finally learned to also not commit to them, <laughs> especially you said, if they're I not going to commit. I can play your games too, actually. <laughs> and uh, I I will text them to let them know that I'm ghosting them. <laughs> because <laughs> I have to have the last word the it, concept of ghosting is terrifying I don't think I could ghost someone because I'd be afraid well I'm afraid my biggest fear ever is seeing my exes which is why I've dated two people who I work with because I'm really smart like that um, <laughs> so now I see them every day that's my nightmare uh, um, but like ghosting someone first of all is a terrible thing to do mm-hmm. second of all just is like scary like also why ghost someone when you could like have the last word exactly and be like, and stay out. Yeah, especially if they're annoying. Be like, get out of here. And like a Jersey accent or something. I don't know. Send and, them a voice memo. And if anybody asks, it was some Billy Jackson and the Sundance Kids. or I don't know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I think that's my next breakup line. <laughs> next time I date someone, since I'm a serial dater. 
Just kidding. I'm on a year-long hiatus. Yay. We'll see if it lasts. I'm dating the woman I'm becoming. Yes, I am. I'm dating myself. I'm going to buy myself flowers after this. Are you going to pull a Sue Sylvester and marry yourself? That would be great. Honestly, here's the thing. If we're being honest, I would... Well, hmm, I was going to say I'd love to date someone just like me. But I take that back, like, immediately. Yeah, no. As soon as I said that, I was like, I'm awesome, but not awesome enough to hang out with myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, especially if I'm if I'm looking for a partner, I'm kind of looking for qualities that I don't have just so, like, I can experience those, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. that, that's kind of, like, I'm, I'm really skinny. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, that's kind of why I focus more on, like, bigger guys mm-hmm. just because I think, you know, they're fun to cuddle and stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I... I am looking for, I think when I look for a partner, and I'm not looking right now, just so everyone knows. If you do fall in love with me, though, you can follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then you can fall in love with me there and, like, let me know in, like, six months. But yes. I think I'm looking for someone who's going to enhance qualities that I feel like aren't my strong suits. I'm, like, a little annoying in the way that, like, I'm always looking to grow, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that, like, growing with a partner, like, why wouldn't you, if you're going to be dating someone, and especially if you're thinking about something, like, long term, and, like, if you're going to be with, like, if you're looking to date someone or be with someone for the rest of your life, like, why wouldn't you want to be with someone who's going to, like, push you to be better and push you to grow? Mm-hmm. But also, that's, looking for someone for the rest of your life, that's stressful. That is extremely stressful. Yeah. Which is why, like, when there, uh, my last ex was like really was really really controlling and stifling Mm -hmm. like of our relationship like i had to be at his house every night Mm -hmm. we had to do stuff like every night um if i wasn't texting him like within you know 30 minutes of Mm -hmm. when he sent something like either on snap or text he would like kind of freak out a little bit which is why when i did camp crimson last year and i like could not be on my phone he was like really really mad at me (laughs) um which like it's it's good to be in communication, but like I'm not gonna grow if I if I keep having to like l- like cater to your needs. Yeah. Well, and also like that sounds like he was expecting you to be dependent on him and codependent with him, and like there's I don't know like codependence is not always bad, but there's definitely like I think especially like, for me especially like I still want to foster a lot of independence in my own life and like be my own person and like mm-hmm. like travel alone and do things that are just for me, hobbies that are just for me, and like. I don't know. You should have secrets with yourself, I think. Like, they're, like yeah. you, don't, you don't need to, like, share every part of yourself. And I think that's something that we kind of, like, really start to believe when we're in a relationship is that, like, if we don't share everything, then it's not valid or real or you're not in love or mm-hmm. whatever. And especially since, like, I think uh, gay people especially have gone through, like, either you know nothing about someone or you know everything about yeah. them. Like, once you start sharing you just kind of, like, divulge everything right. within, like, the first, I don't know, hour or so. Yeah, well, there's, there's <laughs> this TikToker I follow, and she's by and she's like, has this TikTok, and it's, like, first date with a man, and it's, like, oh, yeah, so I have three siblings, and it's, like, first date with a woman, and she's, like, telling her coming out story, and then, like, <laughs> talking about, like, her, like, star sign um, and, like, how it relates to her personality, and, like, I think that's so true because also... I've, like, been friends with women growing up, and so the transition for me, like, coming out and realizing that I was romantically attracted to women was very confusing and is still very confusing. Like, what's the mm-hmm. difference between platonic and romantic feelings? If anyone knows, tell me. I'd like <laughs> if anyone's cracked the code, let me know, because I couldn't tell you the difference. Um, but, like, it's really hard to, I think, like, kind of set those boundaries and be like, oh, if I'm dating this person, like, 
maybe I shouldn't just like dump everything about myself on them immediately. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. But also, I don't know. There's also something to be said about like, especially for someone who like dates someone who you're friends with, like maybe that is what you do. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, can't really speak to that experience considering I've had one boyfriend. Yeah. Like one parentheses one boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And zero, one. Oh, I just tried to spell one and I said zero instead of uh, the letter O. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. <laughs> That's awesome for me. Okay, can't do math or smell, spell. Anyway. Or speak. Or speak. <laughs> or do anything it's other okay. than yearn. All we do is yearn. All we do is yearn. All we do is yearn. Literally, like, I uh, I still, uh, you know, I, st- I have a slew of dating apps. And sometimes when I, like, match with someone and we have, like, one parentheses one good conversation mm-hmm. i'm like yes this is love. this is my husband yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i've actually bought the ring where should i meet you so we can trade <laughs> which like of course the those are like always my initial instincts but i've finally coached myself to not like just dive headfirst right into everything i feel like unless i actually am not doing that yeah and i've just kind of diluted myself yeah yeah, my thing is, like, I become friends with people, and I immediately am like, oh, well, is this the kind of person I'd want to date or, like, be in partnership with? Which, like, I yeah. think is really detrimental to friendships, too. Um, and everything feels like a date to me. Everything feels like a date. Like, Connor mm. and I are on a date right now, actually. Yes. Sorry, I didn't tell y'all. Um, but, like, everything feels like a date. <laughs> so, like, like the, when especially when you're, like, making a new friend, and especially now when, like, hanging out in person like requires so many steps and there's so much planning it's not just like hey come over it's like hey um i have a patio this is the activity we're gonna do yeah like here the like you have to set all those boundaries and rules which i think is probably a good foundation i think the friends i've made during the pandemic will like really be lifelong friends because it has had to, has had to been so so intentional but that also makes everything feel so much more intense so like making yes. friends this past year has been really really intense and even like as I've like dated and had a few girlfriends, like the times in between where I'm like hanging out with friends and making more new friends, like I am really not sure. Like with every time we hang out, I'm like, <laughs> is this a date? Like, are we gonna kiss right now? <laughs> so, but so that's why I will be keeping a mask on for the rest of forever, so no one can kiss me actually, mm-hmm. unless I want them to, and then I'll then I'll pull it down to my chin and we can have a little kiss. Yes, that's the universal that's the universal sign. Yeah, for... <laughs> if I want to kiss, mask <laughs> down. If I don't, mask up. yeah i totally feel that especially because there are some there's uh i think like the time of day is also really important Mm. for when you meet someone because like there are some there are some people that i meet like during lunchtime or during dinner time (laughs) when the sun is still out and you're just like okay you're this is this is a normal this is a normal either like date with someone that i could potentially see as a romantic partner or just like a friend Mm -hmm. type thing however when we meet at night, <laughs> there are not a lot of things you can do at night. Right. <laughs> so the expectation, the expectation, especially for gay men, mm-hmm. is to just kind of lay it out on the line. Right. Just right then and there. So. Yeah. For lesbians, we just tell each other everything. Mm-hmm. So similar but different. Yeah. That's why I say the, so the four bases of gay dating, uh-huh. gay men dating okay. at least. First I base. How they line up. First base, you know, coitus. Second base. Oh, God. <laughs> Never say that again, please. Okay. First base, that. Second base, um, just, like, talking about your day. Okay. Normally, in, right. like, pillow talk. Third base, trauma. Trauma, Whether obviously. it be childhood, religious, relationship, etc. Mm-hmm. Fourth base, 
seeing them a second time. <laughs> That's really funny, seeing them a second time. <laughs> um, okay, let me decide what the ones for lesbians are. The first, ba- first base is, I like your style. Oh. Second base is, or like some kind of compliment, I think. Um, second base would be trauma. Yeah. Um, and star signs, like kind of that vibe. Third base is moving in together. <laughs> um, and fourth base is like breaking up but still being friends. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the four bases of uh, lesbian and woman, loving woman. Is there Dang. Willa. Willa. I wish there was a faster way to say that because – I like sometimes use lesbian as like an all-encompassing like woman-loving woman term, mm-hmm. but it it's not necessarily. But there's like no good way to be like queer dating, Wa-wa-wa. I guess maybe I don't know. But I am yeah. suffix. I don't know if that's like the word I'm looking for. Either yeah, way. actually, I think suffix yeah. is the way to describe women-loving women without saying women-loving women because yeah. that really gets caught in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I already have a little bit of a lisp, so it's like n- the syllables don't just make it all the way out there. But yeah. So I made it to fourth base with uh, just about every girl. Yeah. Um, we're also I'm friends with like all my exes, and that's even when I was dating men in like high school. I've always been friends with my exes. I've really and I've always talked about my exes a lot, which is an, another lesbian stereotype. So mm-hmm. I've always fulfilled all of the, all of the stereotypes. So what I, can I say? Yeah, I mostly only get to like second or third base mm. with a lot of the guys that I interact with. Yeah. No fourth for you. No fourth no for fourth. me, because yeah. like. Literally, literally, like, they're, uh, it's so weird that, like, after the, like, after I spend time with someone, if I message them again, sometimes they'll, they'll just, like, leave me on red. Huh. Like, I feel like it's a one and done type thing mm-hmm. when we absolutely didn't leave it on, like, one, and, one done and done terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not a one and done kind of person, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah. If I kiss someone, like, we're going to get married. Like, there's, there's no in between for me. How do actors do it? I don't know. I like gen- well, I do know. I've like in- have taken acting classes. <laughs> you you decentralize yourself and like separate yourself from the emotions and it's like a choreographed event. But still, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When I kiss someone I'm like, "Well, here's the ring, here's the date, here's when you're going to meet my family. Um, we can do Christmas morning at my house, Christmas evening at yours." Yes. Yeah. This is how many kids we're going to have. This is what we're going to name our dogs. Yeah. I'm <laughs> thinking 3 and maybe a labradoodle. Um, one of my friends just sent me a picture of her dog um, on her yoga mat stretching like Aww. a downward dog. Um, it's a really cute dog. I wish everyone could see it. His name's Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day when this becomes like a some sort of multi-platform. Right. A national streaming service like the news. Yes. We take over Fox News and it's actually us talking about being a lesbian and gay man. Yes. And like... uh. Going back to the no whole, more. like, Wallowa sapphic conversation, mm-hmm. I, th- I, f- I say, like, gay and homosexual to mean even, like, bi men who, right. you know, still date people of other genders, but also men. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's, like, a, other than men loving men, right. Which there's is, not, like, a term. Oh, I guess the men love is a phrase. I just see that as, like, MLM more often, I feel like. But I want, like, a one-word thing yeah. like, you, like you sapphics have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of cool like that. I feel like, in general, like, vocabulary in the queer community is... I'm, like, not, I don't know. I don't, like, the vocabulary in the queer community, I don't feel, like, I don't know, like, pigeonholed by it. Sometimes I feel pigeonholed by it. Like, I identify, I feel like, like in a very broad term, as, like, queer. Um, And I really like the word queer. But there's not, I don't know, like, there's not words for all of the things. And also, I don't think there has to be necessarily, though. Like, to put, like, ourselves into a box is, like, really, I think, like, shortchanging ourselves. 
Um, but we're told by a gazillion different people and the community in itself that like you have to pick one you have to pick a label like you have Mm -hmm. to do all these things when like actually like you don't like there's no binary you need to follow like we're already we're already fighting the binary in general like why yeah like why why limit yourself plus like we've already touched about it a little bit but like once you identify with that label then you have like a slew of stereotypes that are immediately attached to you which like i want to commend my roommate for earlier someone was asking like why I paint my nails Mm -hmm. and um I expected him well uh like this this happened like without me in the room Mm, because he was like why why does Connor paint his nails is it because he's gay or something like that Mm -hmm. and my roommate actually was like no I think it's just because he likes colors and painting his nails because painting my nails is fun so that's why I do it I was thinking like because I I I dress I think I have good style I think I think He's wearing a red flannel right now. He's got this like acid wash jeans and this like chain belt. Yeah, and the and jeans the checkered, are ripped. So oh, like, perfect. And checkered vans. I checkered think vans. so. But um, basically, I was like, I want to be perceived as gay, but like in a good context because yeah. I feel like if people saw me and thought like, oh, he's he's dressed like a gay person, that has like a negative connotation right. in their head. So like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, As a, I'm like in an art community, so I feel like. Sometimes I'm not in an art community and I'm dressed like I would be as a queer person and I in in an art form and I'm like, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. Like my pink turtleneck overalls with pink sweater and pink <laughs> shoes like are a little bit aggressive and like like ugh ew. The patriarchy. Ew the patriarchy. <laughs> we can we can end on that because yeah, like I said, the next the show is coming up. Well thanks for but having yeah. me, Connor. I had fun. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, I love I love when I just talk. That's my favorite thing to do is just talk. Yes. So it's nice that at least one person was listening. I know you were, so because mm-hmm. you responded. And it's fun to have people in the studio talking. Yeah. If anybody else wants to, you can follow us at TRC underscore OU on Twitter. DM me there. Get on the show. Talk yeah. about queer stuff. It's really fun. Even if you're not queer. Yeah. You know. You it's, it's just all vibes. Queer still. Long story short. Uh, boo the patriarchy wear whatever you want Taylor Swift is awesome Taylor Swift is awesome thank you very much stick around for the next show